Amen. God bless you. Let me just remind you that, 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 that an effective prayer might just be one sentence when something comes to your mind at any one time. So at any point when you feel, you know, or when you're thinking about current events, you know, pray. You don't have to have half an hour alone in a cupboard. Just, just keep, let's just keep praying and keep praying and see what God will do. So what we're going to do with our teaching today is, is um, I want to continue the series we started last week, which, was, which I entitled, Nobody is Nobody. Nobody is Nobody. And, and what I want to do through this series is look at some people in the Bible that you may never have heard of before. Last week, we, I talked about Mephibosheth, who somebody... Uh, I. I I met a few folks from our church at the diner after service Sunday. I saw them there, and one of them said, how do you spell it? <laughs> That's nasty. <laughs> but I did do it. So, <laughs> so that, was, that was last week. Today we're going to look at another Bible character that you may be vaguely familiar with the name, but there's only two verses in the whole Bible about this person. And then some of our weeks, we're going to look at people, you know what they did, but we don't actually even know their names. Because in God's plan, everybody matters, and nobody is nobody. However small their role, they're part of this story. And however small your role, you are part of God's story. I was commenting earlier that... Um, Next week will mark two years since we had to stop services with, with COVID. It was the, the first Sunday in March of 2020 was our last in-house service, and we didn't have one in-house for six months after, after that. And uh, it's been quite an exciting two years, hasn't it? But if you think the last two years have been interesting, you should have been with us for the last 22 years. Or more. No, it's more. Whatever it is. 23 and a half years. You should have been with us for some of those years. Uh, this has been nonstop adventure. I, I remember um, there, there was a period back in, in the early 2000s, 15 years ago maybe now, when, when we, were, uh, we were renting the Regal Cinemas in Ronkonkoma for Sunday morning services. And um, I've got this thing about me that I'm always trying to see, well, you know, is there something we could do better, or is there something we could do different? Is there something we need to do next? And, uh, and, and after we were kind of settled in Ronkonkoma, I, I came to realize that people who live within a certain distance were, were, there was a possibility of them coming to us, but folks who lived, you know, more than a, a fair distance away probably never heard of us and weren't likely to come. So I, I talked to our staff team and said, I'd like to start a second campus. So we'll, we'll set up church in two different locations on a Sunday morning. I'll preach in the first one, and then I'll shoot out the door and go over and preach in the second one. And, and we looked at two locations. Some of you remember this. Because movie theaters have become our home, they had just built the Tanger Outlets in Deer Park. And, and so the movie theater over there at Tanger was brand new. So one idea was to go west to Deer Park, to the movie theater there. The other was to go east to Mastic, 
to the movie theater there. So we went to Deer Park first. It was absolutely fantastic. Brand spanking new, state of the art. We looked around and think we could do this there, set up that there, that area will be good for the kids. This would, and it's like, this place is outrageous. And it was available to us Sunday mornings. It's like, so we, we went there and we looked around there. And then I said to our team, you know, is it worth going to look at Mastic after seeing this place? They said, yeah, let's, let's just go check it out. So then we went to Island Cinemas in Mastic. Okay, I'm saying nothing, all right? Okay, I'm, I'm saying nothing, all right? So we looked at, which was a different kind of theater than the, the state-of-the-art one in Deer Park. And then after we'd seen the Mastic Theater, we had a staff meeting, and I said to the staff, well, I guess it's a no-brainer, really. And one of them said, yeah, we need to go to Mastic. And I said, you're kidding, right? <laughs> and the response from every other member of our staff was, no, we need to go to Mastic. Here's what they said, Mastic is us. Okay. I like that. <laughs> I like that. And so we did. We set, up, we set up church. And that's where we met some of you here today, right? And, and, and thank God we did do that. And we went, we went down to Mastic and we were there for several years until we got to the place where we felt the movie theater was unusable um, because it just, the, the, the standard of it was a health hazard. The, fin the final straw was when we found a needle in the area we set up for kids ministry. And it's like, we're done, we're out of here. We can't bring kids in here. And uh, we couldn't find another location, so we combined in Ronkonkoma for about 15 or 16 months until this place was ready, and uh, that was how that all figured out. I was dead set on brand spanking new <laughs> Deer Park. I, I realized it might have cost me because the outlets are all around it, you know, but, but I, I, was, I was just so sold on it. But God used the team around me to pull me back to my senses. And I tell you, we had some fantastic times in that movie theater in Mastic. That is where we coined the phrase, only in Mastic. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was, I, I absolutely loved it. I was excited every week getting in my car, shooting over to Mastic for the service there. I never knew who'd be there, what would be happening, uh, and what God would do. But God did some wonderful things. God used my colleagues to pull me back in to do what he wanted me to do. I don't know how God did it, but in, in the book of Acts, it talks about the Apostle Paul going on a missionary journey. And here's what it says in Acts 16 and verse 6. It says that Paul and his companions went to Phrygia, then on through the region of Galatia. Their plan was to turn west into Asia province but the Holy Spirit blocked that route. I don't know how that happened. Maybe some of his colleagues said, I don't think that's the best place to go. But the Holy Spirit blocked that route. And then it goes on and says in the next verse, so they went to Mycenae and tried to go north to Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go there either. It's like 
They didn't want to do something bad. They wanted to preach the gospel. But God wouldn't let them go there. He wouldn't let them go there. And somehow, He stopped them. Just a little aside here. If you should be sitting here today asking yourself, why didn't I get that job? Why did she dump me? Why didn't that work out? Maybe God blocked that for you because God's got something different and God's got something better for you. So Paul wanted to go in directions that seemed good to do stuff that seemed good, but God said, no, 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 that's not, that's not what I've got for you. And so here's what it says then in, in Acts chapter 16 and verse 9. It says, that night Paul had a dream. A Macedonian, a guy from Greece, a Macedonian stood on the far shore and called across the sea, come over to Macedonia and help us. The dream gave Paul his map. He went to work at once, getting things ready to cross over to Macedonia. All the pieces had come together. We knew now for sure that God had planned for us to preach the good news to the Europeans. So God stopped him going in two particular directions to preach the gospel, and then he gets this kind of, you know, special dream from God to give him direction. And in the dream, this guy from Greece says, come over here and help us. And they recognize that as being God directing them to go across the Mediterranean a bit and to get into Europe and to start preaching the gospel in Europe. And that was the beginning. This is the first New Testament incident of the Bible coming out of that area around Israel and, and of actually now starting to be taken into Europe. Acts 16 and verse 13 then. On the Sabbath, so they got there, they came to a city called Philippi. On the Sabbath, we left the city and went down to the river where we had heard there was to be a prayer meeting. We took our place with the women who had gathered there and talked with them. Now, throughout the book of Acts, when the Apostle Paul went into a new city to preach, his, his usual MO was that he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he'd hook up with people in the synagogue, and he would look for an opportunity to teach in the synagogue first up. But in Philippi, there was no synagogue. We're in Europe. We're not in a Jewish community. And although there may have been some Jewish people there, there would have been some Jewish people there. Uh, apparently, there weren't 12 men. You needed 12 men to establish a synagogue, so there weren't 12 men to establish a synagogue. So there weren't a lot of people there to go to, but the people who were there still mattered to God. There's another thing I'll, I'll mention to you here. The people that he hooked up with that first Sabbath down by the river were mainly or maybe totally women. Now, you've got to, you know, just to illustrate the culture here, you've got to have 12 men to have a synagogue. You can have 11 men and one woman, but she doesn't count. You can have 11 men and 50 women, but they don't count. You weren't for real until you had 12 men because the women didn't count. So the group that Paul meets up with down by the river that Sabbath morning were probably uh, at 
the, the chances are the majority were women and maybe all of them were women. And, and the message there is this, not only that Europe mattered to God, but that God was no respecter of persons and God makes no distinction whether it's gender or race or social standing or any other thing, whatever for that matter. It was an important, there was an, there's an important message in those verses. The fact he went down and met with the women who were there. The women counted, the women mattered. This was a new era, this was different. And, and that's an important thing. It's a very important thing for us to establish because the church of Christ traditionally over generations and generations has been a male stronghold and a male domain, and they've known how to manipulate a few scriptures out of context to say that women should basically sit down and shut up. And the reality is, what the New Testament teaches is that in Christ, there is only one difference in this world. There are people who know Jesus and people who don't know Jesus. That's the only distinction there is in this world. And and all those people matter to God because those who know Jesus are his family and those who don't know Jesus yet are still people Jesus died for and that he wants them to come to know him. But that's the only difference there is in this world, believers and unbelievers. That's the only, that's, that's the only distinction that actually exists. These women meeting by the river mattered so much to God that God blocked Paul going into several different areas and sent him across the Mediterranean to be with them. So here's the story about the woman, just two verses, but who made a significant contribution to God's kingdom. Verse 14 of Acts 16. One woman, Lydia, okay? You can spell that one, right? One woman, Lydia, was from Thyatira and a dealer in expensive textiles, known to be a God-fearing woman. As she listened with intensity to what was being said, the master gave her a trusting heart, and she believed. After she was baptized, along with everyone in her household, she said in a surge of hospitality, if you're confident that I'm in this with you and believe in the master truly, come home with me and be my guests. We hesitated, but she wouldn't take no for an answer. Lydia's two verses in the New Testament, not one of the well-known Bible characters, but in actual fact, she was a lady who played a very significant role in God's purposes. She was the first convert in Europe and she opened her home to become the base for the spreading of the gospel in Philippi and beyond. Two verses, but actually her contribution was a very important one. In fact, it impacted the forefathers of all of us who are here today who are of European heritage, because this is the start of the gospel going into Europe. Lydia you just pass over that story possibly. But what she did was very significant. So let's, let's just take a close look at Lydia in those three verses. And, and here's the first thing I notice about Lydia. She was seriously seeking God. 
She was from the top end of the social scale. Purple fabric was what was worn by the rich and famous. It was very expensive because it was made from the shell of a rare kind of shellfish. So she dealt in absolutely high-end fabrics, fabrics worn by dignitaries. She would have interacted with, with people in very high social standing. She was somebody very, very special and apparently very, very rich. In 21st century terms, it's like she owned a Tesla dealership and drove a roadster. I have no idea what a roadster is. I just Googled what's the most expensive Tesla. I got no idea. All right, so <laughs> when you get to my age, you've got to try to stay relevant, folks. There's a <laughs> but the, but, but that, that was who she was. She, she was a very rich, very successful business person. But I want you to notice this. On the Sabbath, which was not a holiday in Greece. It was a work day during the week because they weren't Jewish. But on the Sabbath, she dropped everything and she went down to meet a few people and they would pray together. She closed up her business. She let it go. It's kind of like, you know, what's the one day in the week you're most likely to fancy Chick-fil-A? <laughs> Sunday, right? Right? Sunday. That's the day you're most likely, oh, you know, I just love a chicken sandwich. And it's like, oh, darn, it's Sunday. They close. <laughs> yep, it's because they're Christian chicken. <laughs> so. <laughs> hey, and, it, hey, and it, it, doesn't seem to have, it doesn't seem to have harmed their business, by the way. And, and Lydia was, here's Lydia. She closed up her business. On the Sabbath, she shut up her business. And it's like, nope, Sabbath's my day to meet with everybody else. And, and that's the day we meet to pray. Because she desperately wanted to get to know God better. She was serious in seeking God. Some of you may think I'm going on a rant right now, but I... I it's important, I feel, that I say this. We're living in a time when too many people make meeting for worship a cheap second to anything and everything under the sun. Lydia gives us the example of prioritizing, spending time with others, praying and seeking God. And I, and I want to tell you this. Half-baked Christianity yields half-baked results. Put everything into it, you'll get everything out of it. And it has become way too easy to let other things take the place of the most important thing in a believer's week, and that is gathering together with like-minded people and worshiping our God together. So important. Jesus said to, to crowds around him in Matthew chapter, Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus said, anyone who intends to come after me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you how. Jesus demanded commitment, expected commitment 
from those who followed him. He wanted them to be serious about knowing him. And God wants us to be serious about knowing him. Lydia sacrificed a day's business in pursuit of God. And as far as we know, that was her practice. She did that regularly which reminds me of what it says in Jeremiah 29 and verse 13, where God says this, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. When she was seriously seeking God, God met her. Now, she didn't know the Lord yet. She hadn't come to put her faith in Christ yet. That happened in the course of this interaction with Paul. She didn't know that Jesus had died to wipe the record clean. Jesus died to give her the gift of eternal life. She was God-fearing, but she didn't know God. That can happen, you know. That could be you here this morning watching us online, God-fearing, but you don't know God in a personal way. That's where Lydia was at. She was devoted to trying to know God and please God. And the wonderful thing is this, when you're devoted to wanting to know God, God's not going to hide from you. God's going to show himself to you. Because it's not about discovering more about God. It's about getting to know God. John 17 and verse 3, Jesus praying to his Father says, this is the real and eternal life. Ready? That they may know you. That they may know you. Someone asked me recently, where is it in the Bible it says about if you keep, the, if you keep Jesus' commandments, you'll go to heaven? I said, oh, that's easy. It's not there. <laughs> that was an easy one. It's not there. You don't get to heaven by keeping commandments. You get to heaven by trusting Christ, who is the way to heaven and the truth and the life. That's how you get to heaven, right? This is, this is real and eternal life that they know you. And listening to my voice today, I'm asking the question, do you know Jesus for you? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Here, here's what it says there about Lydia in verse 14. It says, she listened with intensity to what was being said. And, and I love this next phrase. The master gave her a trusting heart, and she believed. I've never seen it put that way. The master gave her a trusting heart, and she believed. <laughs> if you're open to God today, the master will give you a trusting heart, and today you can trust Him as your Lord and as your Savior. The Master gave her a trusting heart. May God grant you this morning a trusting heart. She was seriously seeking God. Now, I want you to notice then what came out of that. 
She eternally influenced her household. Because she was seriously seeking God and God met her and the master gave her a trusting heart, here's what happened. Verse 15, it said she was baptized along with everyone in her household. It was totally normal in the New Testament. When someone trusted Christ, they were baptized. That was the pattern. But when she trusted Christ, not only did she get baptized, but all of her household. She was a wealthy woman. We don't know if she had family, but she would have had a significant amount of staff. But all her staff came to believe in Jesus as well, and they were all baptized as well. So her move impacted others. Baptism is very prominent in the New Testament. You'll see it over and over again through the book of Acts. In fact, later in Acts 16, Paul, and, Paul ran into some difficulty in Philippi, ended up in jail, but God delivered him miraculously in the middle of the night, uh, and the jailer took him and his companion Silas home with him to take care of him. And it says in verse 33, they never did get to bed that night. The jailer made them feel at home, dressed their wounds, and then he couldn't wait till morning. He was baptized, he and everyone in his family. He was baptized as soon as he could after he came to know about Christ that night. Let me just say again, half-baked Christianity yields half-baked results. There's a great question. I love the question in Acts 8. You know what the question is? Why can't I be baptized? I love that. That's a way better question than why should I be baptized. I like it when people ask, can I be baptized? On Sunday, March 27th, by the way, <laughs> we, just coincidentally, we will be offering baptism. And if you have not yet been baptized as a follower of Jesus… I'm going to ask you, what's hindering you? What's stopping you? You need to be baptized. Make a plan for it. Anticipate that. When Lydia, you see, went all in in her commitment to Christ, she impacted a lot of other people. Her example became an influence to them. We don't know that she preached to them herself, but her example… What Paul was saying that some of them would have heard, they, she became an example and an influence and a leader of others. That happened over and over again through the Gospels. The Bible talks about Andrew finding Jesus, and then it says in John 1, the first thing he did after finding where Jesus lived was find his own brother, Simon, telling him, we found the Messiah, that is Christ. So as soon as he'd found Christ for himself and knew where they could locate him. He, he goes to his brother and says, come on, I found Jesus. Let's, let's go see Jesus because you, you know what? When, 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 when something is good or something is a blessing to you, you're going to tell other people about it, aren't you? I, the, the other morning, Tuesday morning, I, I met with um, Matt and Emily Liebler who are planting local church in Farmingville, and uh, I, I met with them, and we had breakfast together, and I saw a few weeks ago, someone put on Facebook, they'd had breakfast, and it was a place that I'd never heard of. I thought I knew every place to eat on Long Island, <laughs> but I'd never heard of it. And these people were raving about Wings Cafe in Shirley. 
Now, some of you said, Roger, really? You lived here 30 years and it took you that long? Yes. There are still adventures to be had in life. So, so when Matt contacted me and see if we can get together, I said, what about we meet at Wings Cafe? Because I'd never been there. And, and I thought it was fantastic. It was a great little place, friendly little place, great food. You look out and look at all the planes there and, uh, on the airfield. And it was like, wow, this was really good. And before I left there, I put something on social media myself and said, hey, this is a great place. Because when you found something good, you tell other people about it, right? That's how some of you ended up here, isn't it? Because somebody said to you, hey, you know what? I've been going to this new church, and, and uh, it's, it's pretty, I don't know what you said. I won't finish your sentences. But you said something about it, and, and apparently they, they came as well. That's how the kingdom of God grows, actually, by our influence and by our examples. And that's one of the ways in which we can make a significant contribution to the kingdom of God ourselves. We just show Jesus. We share as we have opportunity. It doesn't matter that Lydia's name's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. When she gets to heaven, there will be people who will say, I'm here because of you. Amen. The step she made, the first convert in Europe, the example she gave impacted others who impacted others who impacted others. I'm here because of you. Never underestimate the impact your life can have on the lives of other people. She eternally influenced her household. And then the third thing I want to say here, and then she sacrificially supported God's purposes. Verse 15, after she was baptized along with everyone in her household, she said in a surge of hospitality, if you're confident that I'm in this with you, and believe in the Master truly, come home with me and be my guests. We hesitated, but she wouldn't take no for an answer. Now, Luke was writing those words, so that's one. Paul was there. Silas was there. Timothy was there. So, she says to these four guys that she has just met, she said, here's what I'd like to do. Why don't you guys come with me and why don't you stay in my house? Now, that's what I call sacrificially supporting God's purposes. Now, the chances are she had an impressive and a large house because she was a wealthy woman. But even so, to, to say to four people, I remember a, a Jamaican lady once said to me, she said, visitors are like fish. After three days, they stink. Now, now, let me say to anyone, probably particularly those watching, if you're, if you're among the many people who stayed in our home over the years, um, that was the Jamaican lady, it wasn't me who said that, okay? But if you've got guests coming to stay in the house, it does upset your routine, doesn't it? 
you know, I mean, you know, in a good way, you're happy to have them, but you're, you're all out of routine, and things are different, and, and you know what? It's, it, 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 it costs you something to actually have them there, uh, not just in money, but in kind of the inconvenience, in the changing of schedule, accommodating them, taking care of them. Uh, but Lydia says to these four guys, listen, if you really recognize that, you know, I, I've accepted Jesus for, for real, then why don't you come and you guys come and stay in my house? So her house in Philippi became the base there for the beginning of their taking the gospel to Europe. She sacrificially supported God's purposes. Here's what God wants of you and me. I'm going to illustrate it from the story of the, the lady who brought perfume, expensive perfume. And many of you will know this story. And she just poured it over the feet of Jesus. And a lot of people criticized what she was doing and criticized him for allowing her to do it. And here's what Jesus said in Mark 14 and verse 8. She did what she could when she could. She did what she could when she could. What does God want from me? God wants you to do what you can when you can. What you can when you can. Not everybody is going to be a preacher. Not everybody is going to go and evangelize foreign countries as a missionary. But all of us can do what we can, when we can. And who knows, who knows what God will do with that? Who knows what God will do with that? At some point, there was a person who every Sunday afternoon committed their time to sitting with a small group of boys in their church and talking to them about Jesus, though they were not interested and though they were not paying attention and although they made his life difficult. And then he went back to his normal job for the week. But Cyril Chick never knew that I was one of those boys and that God would use seed that was sown in my life when I was that young. And it would come to fruition. And that God would use me to help other people. God never knew. You don't know where what you have to give will fit in. But I want to encourage you in whatever way you can do it. And although it costs you, invest in God's purposes. Do whatever you can when you can. Lydia, two verses out of the whole of this book. <laughs> she's not Abraham or Moses or David. She's not, she's, she's, she's not Paul. She's not Peter. She's kind of none of the big wigs, but she played a very significant role because in God's plans, nobody's nobody. And what it came down to was this. She was genuine about wanting to know God. She was an example that encouraged others. And that she was somebody who invested in God's work and God's kingdom. Let's be like that, folks, like Lydia. Let's pray together.